0: All right. If you have your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Uh, we're glad you're here. Um, With a little troubled. did you hear men's advance, women's retreat? I, saw this, I heard somebody say, I don't like that. No. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we don't believe that here. Uh, First Corinthians chapter nine. If, if you've had an upgrade on your phone in the past year, let me see your hands. Let me see anybody. You got an upgrade on your phone. Anybody need an upgrade? You got one of those phones that's, all right, let me ask this, see if I get a better response. How many of you in here have had an upgrade on your phone and you don't use the same phone that you did when you were a kid? <laughs> Raise your hand. Okay, here we go. So we're here in 1 Corinthians chapter nine, and, and I wanna show you some pictures up here. Um, how many of you guys had one of these growing up? Remember that? The water, you had to stay there. You couldn't pace. If you did, it would like pull you back, right? My grandparents had one of those. I used to run out through a long dif- distance bill and, and all kinds of stuff. All right, next one, let me see the next one here. How many of you guys remember that? The cordless, you can go hide finally, had an answering machine. right, let me see the next one on here. Does anybody here have one of those? You had some? You do or did? Yeah, I never had one of those before. And then this. Let me see the next one. Now, how many of you guys know who that is? Everybody say it. No, that's actually Pastor Matt when he (laughs) shaves. So... But that, that was like your first cell phone. It was like a brick. And uh, so, one second, second I'm hear something. Yeah, we got to take that down. There's cougars that are turning to TBS to watch Saved by a Bell. They're tuning out online. So we need to get that off the screen. But anyway, so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're looking in uh, starting in verse 11, and we see these different kinds of phones on the screen. And, uh, you know, over time, the way we've communicated has changed, Right? And we see that through our phones, especially. But just like through our phones, communication has changed how we how we talk to each other, how we communicate. Like you couldn't text on that one that you, you know, whatever. You know, when they were trying to figure out what, how to answer the phone originally, I'm not joking, okay? They were trying to figure out that's where the word hello came from, okay? And it was between hello and hoy hoy. I'm not kidding. You can look that up, okay? I'm not preaching right now. I'm telling you the truth, okay? First Corinthians chapter nine. And just like the, you know, phones have changed over time, the, our need to change the way that we communicate the gospel is urgent. We've gotta do it. We don't need to change the truth. We don't need to change uh, you know, our, our standards, our personal standards that we have and how we live. But look, there's a lot of things that are different now than they were 50 years ago, even 10 years ago. And so Paul kind of talks about that here in verse number, uh, starting in verse number 11. Paul's finishing up why we should, uh, shouldn't should treat preachers any differently than anybody else. Uh, we're not super people or anything like that. But if they're doing a good job, you should pay them. If they're helping people, we should do it. We wouldn't do that. Uh, withhold money from anybody else. And then he talks about a bad example. And by the way, if you're here and you're a visitor, first-time visitor, we're glad you're here. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. You didn't have to put on pants to watch this today. Um, but we're glad you're here, and we're glad you're there, actually, if you're not wearing pants. Um and then, you know, maybe you're here and you're a skeptic or, or something like that. And hey, we're just glad that you're here too. And where this message is primarily to, to Christian people, uh, there's definitely some stuff for you. Um, but Paul says here in verse number uh, 12, we'll start there. He's like, look, I don't want to get paid because I don't want people associating what I do, preaching the gospel, with money. He says, if others, he says, start in verse 11. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? So if you have a Bible, 1 Corinthians 9, or maybe on your phone, but I want you to read along with me as we get into the word. Um, verse 12, Paul says, if other people are partakers uh, of this power over you and you paying them, are not we rather, but even though you could, I could get paid. He's like, nevertheless, we have not used this power but we suffer or we allow all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. We don't want to be an obstacle or a hindrance. You say, well, why is Paul saying that? Why is he saying, like, you don't need to, to pay me? Because a lot of times, and I'm not supposed to leave the stage during the second service, I'm coming back. A lot of times when people, when we talk to them about Christianity, what do they think? <laughs> gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give I won't go to that church. All they do is want my money, right? Now, if, if, is there anybody here? Have you ever heard that before? Okay, let me ask you this. Is there anybody here who brought a first-time visitor? Anybody? You brought a first-time? I'm not going to call you out. All right, anybody? You brought a first-time visitor today? You did? And they're with you? Come up here. Not, not the visitor, but you. <laughs> okay, I told you right now I'm not preaching. I'm lying, okay? Come up here for a second. Just for, I'm not, not on the stage, but I want to give you something. I want to give you a $100 bill. Here, pass this out. Somebody give this to him. I got to preach them online. I ain't got time for this. Here, somebody give that to him back there. Go find him. I trust you. Okay? Because we want you to know why. We want somebody who came. That's a real $100 bill. I stole it out of Pastor Tony's wallet. <coughs> we want you to never forget that we didn't ask for anything when you came. We gave you something. Okay? So give him a round of applause. Go take him out of Texas Roadhouse or something. All right. Now, listen. Paul was the guy who wrote the guy who wrote this who became a believer after Jesus' resurrection. And he's writing to this church. It's about 200 miles away from Greece. And uh, they were talking about him. Verse three talks about my answer to them that examined me. People were checking Paul out. They're like, Paul, why don't you, why aren't you married? Why won't you get paid? And people weren't just examining Paul. People were checking you out too, by the way. And he tells them his reasons and he uses this examination of himself as a springboard into telling people why there's certain things he could do, but he chooses, he's like, I wanna do something better. And so what I want you to do today, listen, if you wanna get an upgrade, usually you gotta trade in your phone. So I'm gonna ask you today to trade in some things. And I want you to think about as we look at this passage, are there some things in my life that maybe I could do a better job with, some things that are maybe keeping me from being more effective when I talk to unbelieving people, okay? So as we go through, I want you to think about that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these people. God, nobody, probably nobody came to hear me today, but I pray that you would speak to them, whether they're online, Uh, or they're here. People have real needs. They got real problems. And so, God, I can't fix them, but I believe you can. I pray you fill me with your spirit. You will bless your word, and you would help people today. They would leave here knowing that they've heard from you. And uh, we trust you. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, first thing I wanted to ask you to trade in for an upgrade is this. And it might sound a little confusing, so stay with me. I need you to trade in the American dream to live out the Great Commission. I wanna ask you if you're a believer to trade in the American dream to live out the Great Commission. You say, why? Paul didn't want people to be kept from the gospel. He says in verse 18, I don't wanna make the gospel that I may make the gospel without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. And we've all seen people use church as a way to make money. And so if you're new here, we're not after your money. Uh, We really aren't. Um, Some people abuse that, and some people, that's all they think about. Um, The American dream, what is that? Some people, it would be like financial success or you know, just in prosperity. And listen, let me say this. There's nothing wrong with saving money. The Bible says we're supposed to take care of our our parents in 1 Timothy chapter five. There's nothing wrong with saving us as a righteous man saves, uh, lays up for his children's children. There's nothing wrong with saving money. There's nothing wrong with enjoying money. The Bible says in 1 Timothy six seventeen at the end of it, that God has given us richly all things to enjoy. So go on a vacation, have fun, do all of that. But there's nothing wrong with saving and there's nothing wrong with enjoying, but there is something wrong with just hoarding money. And that's not what God's called you to do as a believer. There's this young guy. He came into my store, and uh, he's, he's friends with uh, one of my employees, or my, my employee. And nice uh, he's like, man, did you hear about Austin? He's getting married. Man, I don't know if I could do that, dog. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, why not? He's like, well, I want to have kids, but I just don't want to get married. I want to have a son. I'm like, oh, so what's your plans after you have a son? Well, I want to start this fitness business and... And then, you know, I'll want to maybe hand it over to him. I'm like, okay, well, then what do you want to do? He's like, well, then after maybe I hand it over to him, then maybe I can retire at like 65. I'm like, oh, okay, then what? He says, then after 65, you know, I'll just travel and enjoy my life. I'm like, oh, okay, then what? And he's like, well, maybe I'll, oh no, I'll get sick and die. And I'm like, okay, then what? See, the problem with the American Dream is it doesn't really factor in what happens when you die. And the problem with Christians following the American Dream is they stop caring about a lot of times what happens to people when they die. Some people care more about their square footage than they do unbelievers. And there's nothing wrong with getting square footage or remodeling your house, but if that's all that you care about, then something's wrong. Why not use your square footage to invite people in or have a small group or take an orphan if God wants you to? There's nothing wrong with having things, it's just something wrong with hoarding things. Some of you are like, What have you seen my floors? Um, so, what's success for a Christian? Success for a Christian, is not de, it's, it's not determined, it's not about getting rich. It's about how many you reach. That's what Paul says. In this passage, he says, I become all things to all men that I might by all means win some, that I might by all means save some. How many you ever seen that movie Schindler's List? Are you guys familiar with that story? If you haven't seen it, you know maybe watch it with some filters or something. I saw it probably 15 years ago, but there was a part of it that I've, that I've never forgotten. If you don't know the story of Schindler's List, it's a true story of a guy who was part of the Nazi party. And so there were Jewish people that were put in concentration camps. They were, they were tortured, they were killed, it was, it was horrible. And so he decided, he figured out a way that he could use those people instead of them being in the concentration camps in order to make money. And so as he, in, in the movie, um, he ends up, you know, first he's using them for money, but then eventually over time, he just like starts feeling bad for them because he sees how badly they're treated and that they're being killed. And so he figures out a way to pay off the soldiers towards the end of the war so he could rescue these Jewish people. And so he creates, this list is created and he starts paying for them. And by the end of the movie, he's, the war's almost over or the war's over. And then um, the Jewish people are standing in front of him and there's 1,100 of them there that he paid for. And they hand him this ring and he couldn't understand what it says. And and the the guy says, it's from the Talmud. And it says, he that saves one life, saves the world in time. And he takes the ring and he starts looking around and he's like, I could have done more. I could have made more money. He's like, I wasted so much money, you have no idea. He said, look at this car. It could have been 10 more people. He said, look at this pin on my jacket. It could have been like one more person. And he starts weeping. He's like, one more person. I could have done more. And I think at the end of our life, a lot of us are not gonna be worried about how much stuff that we have because it's not gonna matter one second after we quit breathing. The only thing that's going to matter are the people that we take with us. And we're gonna say, man, I wasted so much time. Man, I wasted so much money. And what Paul says is this, why don't you get an upgrade from the American dream and do something that matters for eternity and start reaching those that God has placed in your life. The guy that gets on your nerves at work, the neighbor that you don't like, the people that you're friends with, but you're, not, you're afraid to start the conversation. Why don't you just recognize that God's put them there and he's trying to use you to tell them about Jesus Christ? Trade in the American dream for something better, upgrade to the Great Commission. You know, we think about, we wanna help people and they say, why? Paul says, I'm not living for money because money is not what forgave me because my sins couldn't be paid off with money. He says they were paid off, Peter says, not with, we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. See, we got to stop thinking that salvation is just, they get heaven when they die, they get forgiveness. No, it's not just about what happens to them in the next life, it's about what happens in this life. Because when you get Jesus, all of a sudden some addictions are going to start falling off, your marriage is going to start getting restored. I believe when you get saved, we get a relationship with Jesus. Jesus now. We get peace. We get help. We get a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And listen, salvation is not just some pie in the sky when we die. It's steak on your plate while you wait. Amen? Jesus will, you want to help people. God has not given you a magic wand. He's given you something better. He's given you his son. And if we, when we introduce people to Jesus Christ, something is going to happen when they meet him. Because whenever Jesus saw blind people, they started seeing and people that couldn't walk started walking. And there's no way that something as big as the God of the universe steps into your life in a personal way and nothing changes, amen? God's real and he wants to change your life. So trade in the American dream for something that's gonna matter one second after you die. Number two, let me say this. We need to also trade in, Paul says, winning the argument for winning people. He says, I become all things to all men that I might by all means win the more. Now I'm not saying, there's a wrong way to do this. I'm not saying you have to become a drag queen to reach a drag queen, okay? I'm not saying that. Jesus ate with sinners, but he never sinned with them. So we're not talking about anything like that. But he also remembered that they needed help. He says, that, he says those that are sick, those that are whole, they don't need a physician, but those that are sick, they do. We have to remember that if they're spiritually sick, they need the great physician. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He did call them to repentance. So we need to do that too. Evangelism isn't getting people to be like you or to agree with you. It's introducing them to Jesus. It's not getting them to adjust to you. He says, I become. Look at verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain uh, (coughs) gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as being under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but being un, uh, under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. So when I'm talking to people, I try to relate to them. If they're religious, I, have, I was raised religious. I was raised in a, in a church where the guy dressed like a wizard with a staff and we told him stuff and he'd tell me 10 nursery rhymes to pray. And then I was supposed to be magically forgiven. And I, w- I found out that my family and I, we were so devoted to our religion, but I didn't really know the Lord. And so I was worshiping my own religion. And I, I'll just explain to people, Jesus and religion are different. I actually don't like religion. That might sound weird, but I don't. Because I feel like people become so identified with that that they miss out on the person of God sometimes. Or sometimes I might talk to somebody who hates church. And I was like, man, they say most churches are after your money. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Because most of them are, a lot of them are. I don't disagree with them, a lot of them are. I've been to them. And you know, I try to help, help people understand that Jesus isn't a bad church experience. And if you've had a bad church experience, the bad don't have a monopoly on Jesus or truth. They don't get to own Jesus or church. And so maybe you had something bad happen to you in the past. Don't let that person turn you away from Jesus. They're different. And here's what's sad. Sometimes we wanna win the argument more than we wanna win people. I mean, I love you guys that are in here, but some of you are more pumped about loving the constitution and preserving your muskets than you are about fulfilling the great commission and trying to reach people and trying to see people forgiven. I'm not against the constitution. I'm not against guns, I own a gun. Is that online? Some of you are like, I got my musket waiting for you out in the parking lot. But I have my best friend, he lives in San Antonio. And uh, when they had an open carry law, he's pastors of church there. They had an open carry law there. And uh, he started walking around with his gun, you know. And he says, I felt like a real cowboy, you know. And he says, I, I went, at, went across the street from the church. And the guy, he said, this guy was an unbeliever. And he says, Let me ask you a question. So you're the pastor of that church over there, right? And he says, Yeah. He says, Do you want people to know that you're a Republican or that you're a preacher? And my friend was like, you're right. Now he still owns his gun. Is this online? But let me ask you this. What do people know you for? Some of our arguments on social media, you might win them, but are you winning people? The Bible says if any man knows something, he doesn't know anything like he ought to know it. And then the next verse says this, 1 Corinthians 8, 3. But if any man loved God, the same is known of him. Let me ask you this. Do people know that you love the Lord or do they know you for something else? As Christians, people should know us first for loving Jesus and loving them. The other day, this guy got on my nerves because and, and, uh, he was like judging God and he, uh, we were friends. He had come home and preached for, and, and he loved it. He was, like, playing the piano after. and It was really kind of odd. But anyway, I love the dude. He's like, hey, watch this. I'm tickling the ivories. So I'm like, thanks for coming. Security. And so anyway, uh, but I love the guy. But he came in. He's like, yeah, I'm not a Christian anymore, man. And then he started talking about uh, slavery in the Old Testament and, and taking things out of context from the Bible. And he's a good guy. But I was just like, man, I was like, you know, I felt like he, sometimes I feel like when people judge God, they put themselves in a situation where nobody can judge them. And, and so it kind of made me mad because I'm like, it was a little hypocritical, I thought. And I was like, hey man, it's like there's more slaves today than there's ever been in the, in the history of the world. I was like, so how about we do this? Because I hadn't done this for years. It's like, how about we stop arguing and do something to help slavery and let's both give money right now to charity? right, towards a human trafficking charity. And he's like, blank you, and cussed me out. Like the musket people in the back. No, it's <laughs> Spanish. And he said, what happened? I won the argument, but I lost person. You say, why are you telling me that? Because I mess up like you do. Now, I love that guy, and I'm praying for God to do something with him. But even if you've messed up, God will still use somebody who messes up. Maybe there's somebody you try to talk to and the whole thing just fell to pieces. But God can use somebody who messes up and tries, but he can't use somebody who's silent. That same week, we had a guy come in and he, he walked into the store and he's like, I don't, we're, we got talking and um, he's like, I don't believe in God, or excuse me, he says, I don't, I don't believe in organized religion, don't believe in heaven or hell, right? And then by the end of the conversation, he's like, where do you go to church? I want to go Sunday, and, right, and he came last week, and he's here right now. I'm not going to tell you where he is, so I don't embarrass him. Okay, but here's what I'm trying to say: is, man, I, if we care about people, we're going to tell them, and we're going to. We're not going. We're going to. We can win some. Now, listen, we can't win everybody. Not all of my friends, not all of our friends are going to get saved. Not all of our neighbors are going to get saved. Not all the people in my, uh, that I work with are gonna be saved. Not everybody who came here today is gonna be saved. There's people that are gonna walk through Grace's doors and be here over a hundred times and they're never gonna step foot in heaven because they've never repented and trusted Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. But we can win some. And I'd rather win some than win none. You cannot do everything but you can do something. And so I don't, I don't want to just be a Christian who comes and like, you know, they have these new things on YouTube where kids watch people play with toys, right? Instead of playing with toys themselves, or people watch people play video games instead of playing video games. And sometimes I feel like Christians watch Pastor Keith or Pastor Matt get up here and preach every week. And they say, oh man, they lived out my Christianity for me. Listen, God's called us to, to leave the church and to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Not just to invite them to church, but take the gospel to them, where we live, where we work, and where we play with our friends. The reality is this, that if you, and if you don't catch anything else that I say, please catch this. I'm having a hard time staying on the stage, but I have to for the video. Please catch this. If you claim to be a Christian you are either making it easier for people to get saved or harder. And if you don't get this stuff, you're gonna be doing some talking, but not everybody's gonna be listening. Now listen, we gotta trade in some stuff. Last thing I wanna say is this. We need to trade imposing with the team for making a difference on the field. Look at verse 24. No, not, don't, don't you guys know that they which run in a race run all? but one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain. What he's saying is this. Well, Paul's saying that he's likening it to the Olympic games during that time. He's not talking about getting to heaven, but what he's saying, there's a difference between like, yeah, I'm in the race. And then, man, I'm trying my best to win the race. I heard a story, a true story of a bunch of preachers that got up and they started speaking to people and they hired an actor to come in right after. And then the actor got up and at the end of the whole conference, everybody was talking about the actor, right? And the preachers were like, man, what the heck? And then they asked the actors, like, why do people respond to you better than they've responded to us? And he's like, well, "You to tell you guys really the truth. Here's what it is. He's like, when you guys tell the truth, you tell it like it's fiction, but I just tell the fiction like it's the truth. And you know why Christians today are not having as much influence a lot of times than Disney and everything else? It's because we don't believe the stuff that we claim that we believe about what happens to people after they die. Because if we did, we'd put forth a lot more effort. Amen? I don't wanna tell the truth like it's fiction. Paul's not talking about here crossing some finish line and getting to heaven. He's talking about a reward He talks about a crown in verse 25. He talks about a reward in verse 18. He talks about um, uh, a reward in verse 17 there. Forgiveness is not a reward that you get for trying hard. It's a gift you get that you can receive based off what Jesus did for you on the cross. So why are you telling me this? Because I think we get some things confused. And here's an analogy. Getting saved is like getting married, it's an event. Being saved is like being married, that's a relationship. And sometimes I feel like people are, we say it's not about rules, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship, but we never had the event take place. Now me and my wife, we've been married for uh, almost 19 years and they are the best 19 years of her life, let me tell you. And when she proposed to me, I'm like, what do you, of course I will, no, I'm just being serious. But listen, a lot of times, what if I told you that, yeah, we've been married. It's like, well, when, did? it's like, where'd you get married? And I started asking you about the details of, of our wedding. And, or you start asking me about the details of our wedding and I couldn't give you any. He'd be like, I don't know if they actually got married or not. Can you take me to the place when you got saved? Do you remember the date? Do you remember where you were? You don't have to remember the, to remember the date, but do you have to remember what happened? Are you willing to bet your life on that? Because you are. And friend, have you had that event take place? Why not, why just blend in? Why blend in when you, you know, it's a lot easier to live a Christian life after you get saved. And man, sometimes you're just trying to, listen, why pretend to be saved when you could actually be saved? You can get that. It's free. It's not a reward. It's not something you get for working hard. It's a gift. It's, the eternal life is uh, the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so you're not in a relationship until that's happened. Now everybody's running, but not everybody's trying to win. I wasn't, when I played football in high school, I wasn't like Uncle Rico, I wasn't the best, okay? I was okay, right? Everybody's like, man, I was the best, you should've seen me, uh, honey. Uh, I was okay, right? But uh, we had some guys who just wanted to be in the picture, just wanted to wear the jersey, just wanted to tell people that they played. But there's a difference between wearing the jersey and making a difference on the field. And so listen, there's a difference between attending a church that's making a difference and then being a part of making that difference. And so we can't just be a part of ministries with children's ministry and small groups and we have all kinds of good stuff, but we also have to make sure the power of God is in the gospel. We have to tell people and be clear and get, we don't force people to get saved, but we gotta give them the good news. And if the gospel, let me say this, if the gospel isn't the best news that you've ever heard, then you can be absolutely certain you've never understood it. Because the best thing that will ever happen to you is, is getting saved and receiving forgiveness of your sins. You know, the people who were on the field weren't always the most talented. It was based off what they were doing when nobody was looking. It was a training that took place off the field. They got this new Netflix thing with quarterbacks, right? I mean, you get, how many ever seen that? Uh, with the, they got Patrick Mahomes on there, Kirk Cousins, uh, Pastor Keith's been in that too. That's where he's been. And so, in the, so what it's all about is like these guys, what they do all week long for just a few hours on Sunday. And there's so much preparation. They got to memorize plays and names and they got to train and they got to get uh, healed up and they, they have to eat right and they got to meet with their teammates and be on the, And all of this stuff, it all has to do about the preparation. And the reason Paul's saying this, he talks about discipline and strategy. The reason that we're not effective is because a lot of times it's because of our discipline, our spiritual disciplines. And we want to help you get discipled. We wanna give you a strategy. So I wanna give you a strategy so you can be effective. And I got this from Dave Ferguson, this, this, uh, this story specifically here. This is crazy, a true story, all right? And you know what I say? I'm not preaching right now. I'm telling you the truth, okay? So here's what happened. Here's this guy. Uh, they, they did a study on this missionary group and this one missionary group went out and they just tried only to convert people. They tried to tell them about Jesus, tell them the story of the Bible and they try to give them tracts and all that stuff, right? And they did that for two years. The second group went out and they built relationships and they prayed like crazy and they listened to people and they spent time with people and they tried to figure out what their needs were and then they also preached the gospel to them. And at the end of two years, the one group had seen one person saved, the converter group, and the blesser group had seen 48 people saved. So, How do we reach people? Because either sometimes we're giving them too much, I find, and we're scaring people away, or sometimes we're just keeping our mouth shut. So where do we find that medium ground? Well, here's our strategy as a church. Uh, Let's get this slide up. We wanna start blessing people, and I wanna give you this acronym, BLESS, and this is our uh, strategy here at GRACE for trying to reach people. Number one, begin with prayer. And I would say pray until you start praying. Somebody told me that in the first service. Just pray for people. We're gonna give you a a picture, a QR code. It should be on the screen here in a little bit after the service, I think. There's a a QR code. And if you got a chance, take a picture of that. Maybe you're not a QR code person. (laughs) That was fast. Um, (laughs) Maybe you just need to do like a, a sticky note on your mirror or on your steering wheel. But I want you to start praying for at least five to eight people. Okay, And maybe you just name your hands after them. Rodney, you're this one right here. It was my ring finger, not the other one, okay? And so these are people that, no, but unsaved people actually. I want you to think about people where you live, your neighbors, where you work, or who who you play with, who who your friends are, who's on your team, who do you see at the gym? And I want you to commit to praying for them just two to three minutes every day. And this app has helped me to pray on the way to work, um, on the way home from work, as, as opposed to just only during my, you know, my time with the Lord, my devotional time. And it's allowed me to be more consistent. And I just challenge you to navigate that or, or just do something, but we can be more consistent in praying for people. So we're gonna begin, we're gonna start with prayer. We're gonna ask God to do something. We're gonna ask God to draw. Nobody can, no man can come to the Son except the Father draws him. We need the Holy Spirit's power to see people saved because we didn't die for him, amen? We're gonna begin with prayer. So get a hold of that and and navigate that. And if you have questions, talk to me after. The next thing we're gonna do (laughs) is we're gonna listen. We're gonna listen without judgment. We're gonna ask questions. We're not gonna go in and just bum rush and start giving our presentation, but people just need somebody to listen to them. Sometimes you have to pay that emotional rent i just listening to this stuff, but that's gonna give you things to pray about. It's gonna help you understand how to, how to talk to this person. We're not to, and this isn't a checklist. It's more about the person, but this is a strategy. It's a biblical strategy, okay? We're gonna listen. You know what Jesus did? He asked questions. They said, what must I do to have eternal life? He says, have you kept the commandments? What's the greatest commandment of all? What do you think it is? Jesus was always asking questions and it was never because he needed to know the answer because he knew everything and knows everything. So we ask questions. We're gonna listen. And then E, we're gonna eat with people. I wanna challenge you. If you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, okay? I want you seven days a week to pick one of those 21 meals and say, I'm gonna be, be praying for, listening to, and I'm gonna have a meal with somebody. I'm gonna go for coffee, take them out for lunch, invite them over for dinner, one of these people I'm praying for, and I'm gonna show them that they're not just a project that I care about, and and you're gonna pay for it. And I'll be like, hey man, can you cover this for me? Don't be that guy. This guy knows what I'm talking about, right Tom? Anyway, but we're we're gonna listen, we're gonna eat with people. That's what Jesus said. You ever read the Gospel of Luke? Almost every chapter, he's about to eat with somebody, he just ate with somebody, or he left eating with somebody. Even the last chapter, he's breaking bread with people in chapter 24, we gotta learn to spend time with people. Jesus ate with sinners. We can't just hang around with Christian people all the time and, 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 and everybody that agrees with us. And then S, we're gonna, we're gonna serve people based off the needs that they tell us. When you're praying for people, you're listening to people, you're eating with people, you're gonna figure out how better to serve people. Paul says, I've I made myself a servant unto all. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to give his life a, a ransom for many, but to serve other people. We're gonna learn to serve people because I don't know about you, how you many ever had this? Like you wanna help somebody and you like do something for them and they're like, eh, kind of falls flat because you're trying to serve them the best way that you think that they should get. But when you pray for people, and let's get that serve up there if we can. <clears throat> when you pray for people, you listen to people you eat with them, you're gonna figure out how you can serve them. For us, it's been stuff like helping people move, raking their yards. And you could do these as small groups too. Um, Somebody, need, people needed rides for procedures that they don't have anybody else to give them a ride for. Just a few weeks ago, I had a, an unsaved friend that, that I love. He walked into the store and he says, hey, so what are we gonna do for my birthday? I'm like, I oh, no, not know. And I didn't know. I was like, oh, we'll do something. And so we made him food. We made him a cake. And we had a party for him. Just me and my family. You say, why? Because he didn't have anybody else. You don't have to look far. I told Pastor Keith the story. And he liked it. It's a true story. There was a guy who owned an orchard. And He met another guy who had a, he showed him a fistful of diamonds. He says, if you own this, you never have to work a day in your life. True story. The guy got so obsessed with getting rich and finding a diamond mine like this guy that he sold his farm and started traveling, trying to find a diamond mine. And he lost everything, He committed suicide. And the guy who bought his farm, this happened over in the Middle East, was taking his cam while back, not long after the guy died. And he saw something shiny in the water. He found out there was a diamond there. And I think it's called the Golconda diamond mines are still there today. Say, what's the point? Listen, I wanna make a difference in the world. Listen, a difference isn't all the way across the world sometimes. Sometimes the difference is there's diamonds right in your backyard. The will of God is right across the street. It's that guy who gets on your nerves at the job site. It's your friend that you're afraid to bring it up to. But if you want to make a difference, why don't you start in your own backyard? Because I had somebody one time like, will you support us in the mission field? Because I used to pastor on the East Coast. And and I knew the person and and it was like, man, you're not trying to win people here. So I'm not going to give you money to go somewhere else and do it. I was hard like that. Why do you think I'm out of a job? Okay, so, but but here's the point. We gotta serve people and serve the people that God's placed in your life. Who has God brought to your mind while I was talking? That's who you're supposed to bless. And then the last thing we gotta do is we gotta give them the story. We gotta give them the good news. We have a guy here, a young guy here, and um, he's interns with Matt now, his name's Keaton. And it was a place I was preaching at, a couple years ago and, and Keaton ended up getting saved and we became friends and that was like, it was really awkward, we were in sermon prep and he's like, hey Keaton, what, tell me, uh, what did Roe do for you to get saved? And what was it about it? And it, he said, it was just this. I listened to him and all this, you know, we, we got to talking. He's like, but he talked about getting forgiveness. So one day I just called him. I'm like, hey man, you know, you talk about, how do I get saved? And, and he took 10 minutes and just told me what I needed to do. He said, why are you telling me that? Because hospitality is not the gospel. It's not evangelism. We, we can pray, we can listen, we can eat, we can serve. But at the end of the day, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And there's power in a 10 minute conversation. But you need to learn how to tell people in a way that they won't turn them off. And that's effective. So that's what we're gonna do. Uh, we've got to sign up in, in the back and we're gonna get offer different dates. And we wanna teach you how to reach those, how to find those diamonds in your backyard. We wanna teach you how to bless people. Uh, the, the final point on this is this, uh, the big, big idea. When we seek to bless people instead of just converting them, we'll see more conversions. And if that's something that you wanna do, Just sign up, we're gonna give multiple dates and we're gonna give you copies of Bible studies that are actually created not for more Christians, but for you to take somebody through one-on-one. And we're gonna teach you how to invite people too so that's not weird, right? So you don't weird, hey man, you know, you gotta be careful like when you walk up to people and be like, hey, are you washing the blood? I mean, don't be that guy, right? You know, it's like walking up to somebody like, hey, how's your prostate? I mean, if you don't know, I'm like, that's a personal question, don't lead with that, right? So we're gonna teach you... <clears throat> We're gonna teach you how to do this stuff and how to implement these things in a way that's natural for you so it doesn't feel like they feel like they're a project and that you, you act, because they're not. They're somebody that Jesus died for. And so listen, if you want to bless people, God's saying you need to trade some things in. It's time for an upgrade. Hey, if you've been reaching people and, and people are banging on your door, go for it. Keep doing what you're doing. I don't wanna change anything. But if you need some help with that stuff, maybe your next step today is say, "God, will you help me take an upgrade? I want to learn how to do this stuff better." So we want to give you that opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for all the people. I thank you for my church. Matt's been awesome, by the way. I miss Pastor Keith, and uh, I'm glad I think he's going to be here next week. But God, I'm glad you used him in this church. And I thank you for everybody who's here. They didn't come to hear me, God, but I pray, if they forget my name, who cares? But I pray that they would remember this. Help us to seek to bless the people in this area. Help us to find the diamonds that are in our backyard. Help us not just get busy with collecting stuff we're gonna leave behind. Help us not just try to convert, but help us try to bless people. And we'll leave the conversions up to you. And God, we're not, I know it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. We know that long is the new fast. But God help us to love people enough to commit to praying for them, listening to them, eating with them, serving them how they need, and telling them about the best thing that could ever happen to them, knowing you. Lord, I love you. You are the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I pray that you would use our church to reach more people in this area so they get to know you. Please do what I could never do. And I'm trusting you to do that because you're awesome. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.